we now have enough data to characterize the 2020 U.S. labor market. In a word, it was awful. As indicated by writers Sarah Cheney Cambone and Danny Dougherty, December of last year capped the worst year for American job losses in records tracing back to 1939, with blacks, Hispanics, teenagers, and high school dropouts impacted with particular intensity. Last year, the American economy shed nearly 9.4 million jobs on net, exceeding the 5 million jobs lost in 2009 during the aftermath of the global financial crisis. Among economic segments, the hardest hit in 2020 were hotels and restaurants, which served to drive unemployment among minorities, the young and less educated workers higher. As policymakers around the nation shut down parts of their economies last spring, unemployment among these groups and others surged. Then December's cold weather coupled with another surge in infections triggered yet another round of job losses. With the loss of 140,000 jobs, December represented the first month of job loss since April. But unlike April, when job losses were apparent in just about every segment of the economy, December's job losses were concentrated in the restaurant and hotel industries. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. As indicated by the Wall Street Journal, despite high levels of unemployment, many employers still suffer difficulty hiring enough workers. Among those struggling to secure sufficient staffing are manufacturers. The travails of manufacturers are traceable to a number of factors, including a surge of hiring in segments tied to e-commerce, namely fulfillment centers, many of which offer better pay than factory work. Absences caused by COVID-19 or family obligations, such as childcare, have also contributed to worker shortages. Moreover, many young people have not been raised to view manufacturing as offering promising career paths. Manufacturers have been struggling to recruit enough workers for years. The worker crunch is leading to shortages of certain products, which in some instances is contributing to higher prices. When items sell out more quickly than companies can produce them, they don't need to use deals and discounts to stimulate demand. Companies are taking extraordinary measures to keep production levels up, including asking employees to cancel vacations and having managers toil alongside production workers. The good news is that these worker shortages mean that there are many existing opportunities for people to join or rejoin the nation's middle class. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. It's another day of quarantine for many of us, or at least a significant number of hours in our residences. One of the aspects of spending so much time at home has been the proliferation of food delivery services, with Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash among the most prominent. You may have noticed that ordering food for delivery can be an expensive proposition. There is the cost of food, of course, but delivery charges can add up quickly. As indicated by writer Laura Foreman on DoorDash, total fees before discounts, such as those associated with its loyalty program, can exceed 50 percent of the food's cost across many major suburban areas. This figure includes recommended Dasher tips. The data are based upon an analysis of consumer receipts reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. Regulators have taken note. In September, U.S. Congresswomen from three states sent a letter to the Federal Trade Commission requesting an investigation into the impact of highly consolidated food delivery services. In other words, because there are only a handful of major players, there is growing concern regarding unfair practices of food delivery platforms, including excessive fees and commissions. Bon appetit. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.
As indicated by the great writer Neil Irwin, there are warning signs hinting at more inflation in the U.S. economy showing up everywhere. For instance, they are appearing in business surveys, with many companies seeking to raise prices as they prepare for the stronger economy that will presumably accompany the post-pandemic world. They are also showing up in borrowing costs, with certain interest rates edging higher recently. There are many factors that shape interest rates, but one of them is expected inflation. True, there isn't much evidence of inflation in the data, at least not yet. The consumer price index reflected only a 1.4% rise in what Americans paid for goods and services over the past year. Leading officials from America's central bank, the Federal Reserve, have made it clear in recent days that they still view inflation that is too low as the greater risk to the economic outlook, not surging prices. While high inflation is a problem for obvious reasons, things get more expensive and truncate our purchasing power, it is possible to have inflation that is too low. Often, persistently low inflation is a reflection of weak economic growth and stagnant wages. That has been the predominant challenge for advanced economies for more than a decade. For WIPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu. While the novel coronavirus has impacted the U.S. economy from shore to shining shore, there are certain communities that have fared better from an economic perspective. In general, economic lockdowns have been less strict in the American South. And while that may not be consistent with optimal public health outcomes, metropolitan areas like Phoenix, Dallas, and Atlanta have generally fared better in terms of preserving employment bases than communities like New York, Detroit, and San Francisco, where social distancing mandates have been stricter. The composition of regional economies also plays a part. White-collar job-intensive regions like Washington, Baltimore, and Seattle are more likely to hold up better than others given the ability of many workers to supply effort from home. Markets like Orlando and Las Vegas are especially vulnerable since they depend so heavily upon in-person interactions. Indeed, as indicated by CNN, Las Vegas has been hardest hit among large U.S. metropolitan areas during the pandemic. By April of last year, Las Vegas's unemployment rate was 34%. It has fallen since, but at nearly 12%, it still has the highest unemployment rate among large metropolitan areas, according to data from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. For WYPR and my producer Luke Spicknall, I'm Aniban Basu.